Father God, we are always uh, asked by you to come boldly to the throne of grace, always, and always to come boldly with full confidence in you, in your sovereign rule over the creation and over all that dwell uh, here on earth and uh, over us as your people. Father, I thank you that you have our interests in clear view. You also hear the cries of the hearts. You even hear the cries of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, uh, lifting up our needs before you. So our prayers, Father, here are not to somehow control your work at all, but rather just to reflect uh, your glory and your power in working in and through us to accomplish your great purpose. Father, I pray that as we open your word this morning, we would be very mindful of that great work, uh, that in these days, no matter how dark they may seem to us, uh, they are part of the overall plan uh, that you have uh, been accomplishing. Father, I thank you that even though you've allowed Satan liberty uh, greatly, to accomplish what he believes is uh, going to be his his uh, victorious uh, work, that we know his work is uh, doomed to failure, that it cannot succeed because you will accomplish your work and he has already <laughs> been declared the loser. He, he is uh, judged and he will be condemned. And so, Father, I thank you for that. Though he influences many today, uh, nevertheless, your work is accomplished. And you are energizing us, your very dear ones here who still live in this world, to be a light in the darkness and a great power for the accomplishing of your will and purpose. So, Father, I thank you for all that, but we do recognize many requests as well of the iceberg as it were, but uh, Father, uh, you know it all, and uh, you know the depth of uh, suffering that many are experiencing. And there's so many dimensions to that suffering, Father, and you know it well. So Father, as so many turn to violence and uh, to uh, rebellion, and so many are seeking to control that to their own advantage and uh, for their glory. Father, I just pray that you would deliver our nation from the evil one and those that have taken it captive in so many ways. But, Father, there are others that seek to do that which is right and good and who uh, want to do what's best for our people. And even in our government, uh, there are so many. So, Father, I pray for our president and those that serve with him. You give them great wisdom through these difficult times and also victory. Uh, may they get the truth out uh, in a way that's effective. And may many be willing to receive it who have not been willing before. And I pray, Father, that you'd uh, reset the nation and get it back on the proper course soon. So, Father, we look forward to see how you'll work. Thank you for our uh, group here this morning, and uh, may we be blessed from your word, and may it indeed be the word of truth to us. May our hearts and 
spirits be encouraged in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Mm. Okay, well, we're continuing today. I've decided instead of a three-part series on uh, the rapture and uh, with the title <laughs> on this series, No Second Chances, <laughs> decided instead of three parts, we need four. <laughs> in fact, the no second chances part will be mainly in the fourth part. We've already uh, talked about it here, but uh, we'll uh, look into that a little more next time, Lord willing. And hopefully finish up this section, and then we'll be moving ahead into the last chapter of Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. Well, we've seen already that, uh, in fact, it was a major focus in our studies here, that the sufferings of the church, the body of Christ, are to be understood by us as what they really are uh, from God's point of view. And one thing they are uh, that we need to grasp onto by faith, because it's not always apparent, <laughs> one thing our sufferings are is a sure indication of God's coming judgments on those that are the enemies of the faith, those who may be our persecutors even. And the church in Thessalonica was involved in a time, living in a time of persecution, and some had already died. Perhaps they'd been martyred. Paul doesn't actually indicate that here, so I'm not sure they were martyred or whether they just died of uh, normal causes common to uh, to mankind. But in any case, they had died um, earlier than expected, and uh, that led to Paul writing this letter. So the sufferings of the current time, he says, are sure indicators or tokens of God's coming judgment. When would those judgments occur? Um, well, he doesn't indicate when they will occur. For some, they they would uh, occur after the judgment, the great judgment. Uh, and in fact, for all eternity, right? But uh, others who would live to the end of uh, this current dispensation and would uh, not be caught up in the rapture, of course, because they were unbelievers, they would go directly into the tribulation period and uh, suffer greatly there as well. And uh, much of this chapter is about the, uh, that coming period of judgment upon this earth. Um, so Paul's teaching there about suffering, uh, indicating a future judgment from as God sees it, right? And as we should see it. Um that teaching is very much on Paul's mind when he writes chapter 2. So chapter 2 is to be placed in that context. I think I keep reemphasizing these things, context, 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 because if we don't uh, understand the context of what's written, we'll misunderstand what Paul is writing. We'll misunderstand his intentions and his purpose. And therefore, we'll misunderstand what God has written for the church uh, and for us today, because we are members of the same church that the Thessalonians were members of, right? Okay, now what what uh, Paul has been teaching here is that 
and and as I mentioned a few times, every one of the chapters uh, of these two letters ends with a statement concerning the return of the Lord, and not just the return uh, as sort of a coming judgment before eternity. That's not what's in mind here, but rather the rapture, the rapture of the body of Christ. That's what's in mind. And how God can't get on with the rest of the program until we are captured, caught up, uh, called into heaven's glory. That must occur first. Then, he says, the man of sin may be revealed. Okay, so that's uh, what we've already seen. We're looking more at that now. And um, it's really wonderful to see how Paul exhorts, how he exhorts the Thessalonian believers. And over and over he does, and he does it graciously. And I hope you see that. He is not warning these believers, looking for the signs and the of the times and all of that. No, he is graciously exhorting them because those signs are not for the church. Therefore, persons living in the tribulation period, especially the believers living there at that time, right? So he's not exhorting them the way Christ did, for example, in his earthly ministry when he exhorted the Jews to watch out for those signs of the times. And we'll, we're going to look at that again uh, in some detail today because I want you to see that difference between how Christ exhorts the Jews and how Paul exhorts uh, the believers here. There's a very significant and important difference between the two. So these are gracious exhortations, and we see at the beginning of chapter 2 there's there's one of those, and it's one of it's a great exhortation, and uh, it will be one that could be applied by us today. It's applicable today, just as it was then. I'll just read those two verses there, the beginning of chapter two. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Okay, so he says, <clears throat> don't think as the false teachers have been leading you and guiding you and, and, and telling you you should. Don't, don't follow after them and think the way they do, but uh, realize that our gathering unto the Lord is the next thing on the prophetic horizon for us. And so I beseech you based upon that. Um, that's what the Lord has promised. So don't be all concerned about what you see happening around you. It's not as if somehow now you need to uh, act differently, live differently, because the end has come uh, or is close. And now uh, <laughs> hmm, the time of great suffering is uh, nearly upon us. No. He says, it's not. So this is a gracious exhortation here based upon the fact, as, as has been promised to them, that the Lord will call us into his very presence. 
once he's done that, everything on earth is going to change, okay? Satan will then be released to accomplish his evil purposes in a way that he's never been able to do before. Okay, so our outline today is um, four parts, first of all, and, and this is somewhat repetitive. Again, I have to say, uh, repetition is at the heart of our teaching here. I still feel, or I wouldn't be spending more time on this, that some of this may have still escaped your understanding, and uh, I know it's true every time I study these scriptures, I see more. So um, I feel that, that that's what God wants. He wants us to refocus on these scriptures again today. So first of all, the enemy is at work, but he is restrained by us. <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> See, this is a different perspective than we often hear. We hear about how the Lord is working to do this or that, right? Preventing Satan from doing what he wants to do. Well, he is, but how's he doing it? Well, a large part of what the Lord is doing is being accomplished in the church, the body of Christ. Satan is, in fact, being restrained by us. How do we know that? Because that's what Paul is writing about here in this letter. So clearly. Secondly, the tribulation times will be so different from where we're living today. Okay. Tribulation times will be so different from where we're living today. Thirdly, grace is reigning today. Reigning. Not like raindrops from the sky, but, you know, reigning like a king. Grace is reigning today, whether we're watching and alert or not. Okay. <laughs> hmm. And then finally, the mystery of lawlessness, Satan's great work, is also present today. Beware, beware, beware. So Satan's great work, called in this letter, the mystery of lawlessness, is to be aware of. Don't allow yourself to be captured by that. That would be serious indeed. Okay, those are the four things. So first of all, the enemy is at work, but he is restrained by us. Now, um, we looked at it before, but I'd like Lydia to read these just these few verses here, three verses here uh, in uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three through five. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above that is called God or is worshipped, so that he, as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was get with you. I told you these things. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you so much. That was very good. Um, so what's said here in these verses is that the rapture will occur at a certain time. It will recur. It will occur um, at a certain time in, in reference to the beginning of the day of the Lord. In fact, it will, recur, it will occur first, before <laughs> the beginning 
of the day of the Lord. In fact, this is the strongest passage in the entire uh, scripture about this subject and its timing. Okay. That day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Then you see that man of sin may be revealed. The falling away, I've, I've explained several times now, and I'll not get into too much of it today, but it, it means to stand apart from or to be separated from. And it's only the context that tells you what kind of separation it is. Remember, several times I showed you already several verses where uh, the word, same word translated falling away here is found, where it's that word is translated divorce or separation, okay? It's the context that tells you what kind of separation it is. If it's a separation in the marriage, that's one thing. If it's a separation of one person from another, that's another thing. If it's a separation from the teaching of Moses, that's a third thing, okay? Um, so the context just determines what kind of separation it is. The word in the original just simply means separate, okay? Or to depart from. It's very simple. Okay, so uh, what Paul is saying here in this verse is that uh, there cannot be a revealing of the man of sin openly, publicly, until this separation occurs first. Okay, and that is the separation of the church and uh, from, from this earth. And why is that? Because he's going to go on and say here in great detail, uh, there is a certain way in which uh, God is holding back Satan from the full manifestation of his power uh, in these days. And that's through us. It's through the church. OK, so that's what Paul is saying here. And uh, so this verse is, is explicitly stating that the catching up or departure of the saints must occur before the events of the tribulation period begin. Not later, not during or after, but, but before, okay? And the reason is because of what God is doing through the church today, in, uh, and that's in the next verses here. So, Sarah, would you please read verses 6 through 10 for us? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming? Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders." And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Well, so there's something uh, restraining, okay? Uh, something withholding. Withholding what? We Withholding the full outworking of Satan's power, okay? The full manifestation of Satan's power will occur 
in the tribulation period. We know that from the book of Daniel, uh, where there's much detail on that subject given. We know that from the book of Revelation, where there are whole chapters about the man of lawlessness, about the false prophet, about the beast, about how Antichrist will work to eventually require a mark. And uh, those that receive the mark are doomed forever. And those that are saved in the dispensation of the tribulation period will refuse that mark. They will never receive it. Okay, that's very clearly revealed in the book of Revelation, right? So Satan will fully manifest his power at that time, but he cannot do that today. He's being restrained, okay? And that's because of this restraining force that's in the world today, and that is in and through us. Okay. Um, but when we are taken out of the way, okay, then the wicked one may be revealed. Okay. Now, Paul has called this whole working of Satan today. He is working today, but in a limited, restrained way. He's called that a mystery, and we're going to look at that <clears throat> in a little bit here. Um little bit later okay but what's withholding now is a, a working a great power and uh, it's restraining Satan now <clears throat> you might wonder what it could be that's restraining Satan today normally uh, and I, I think mostly because of the translation here where it uses personal pronouns where it, it shouldn't talks about he being taken out of the way Talks about he who now is <clears throat> is uh, holding back, right? Um, should these are really neuters in the in the original? So it should be talking about it, 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 not he, <laughs> as if it's a person withholding. So it's largely been taught, normally often taught that it's the Holy Spirit that's holding back Satan today. Well, that's true, sort of indirectly, but really it is uh, the church itself who's holding back Satan today. And when it is removed, then uh, <laughs> uh, Satan will be able to accomplish his great purpose of deceiving the entire world, nearly, nearly the entire world. In fact, Christ is, was teaching about it. He said, will there even be faith found? <laughs> because Satan's powers will be so greatly uh, and revealed and so effective at that time, right? Um, if it were the Holy Spirit, <laughs> then the whole teaching here would be about how the Holy Spirit's removed, and that, that, that allows Satan to do his work. But that cannot be, because in the tribulation period, there will nevertheless be many saved, many saved, uh, <laughs> thousands, uh, tens of thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands, of course, in the tribulation period will be saved, and the Holy Spirit will be right in the middle of the whole thing, of course. So it doesn't make sense to say it's the Holy Spirit that's removed, uh, and he's the one withholding now, but later not. See, that's a, that's a meaningless teaching, but that is a common teaching, I'm sorry to say. No, it's all about the church being removed. And once the church is removed, then uh, the restraining force is gone. Think about what it would be like without the church of God in the world today. 
what would be the limits on Satan's work? Wouldn't Satan abound in uh, deceiving nearly everyone, right? And how? Through signs, wonders, and miracles, as verse 9 says. Okay, we're going to look at that again in a moment as well. But right now, according to these scriptures, uh, Satan's working is restrained. Then, after we're taken out of this world, it will be unleashed in its true and incredible power and influence. I mean, that kind of influence is going to lead to the one world government under his control, right? We do not have a one world government today, but so many are seeking it. <laughs> you hear their voices everywhere. Uh, in fact, it's just amazing how visible they've become in trying to promote such doctrines, right? What stands in the world, way of the one world government today? Well, you might think it's the United States of America. Well, if so, it's because of the Church of God, right? Our power is still great and far greater than we might uh, often think. Okay, now the second point here. The tribulation times will be very different, so different from our current times. Now, to see this, we have to look to see what those tribulation times are like. Paul's already given a hint of that here in uh, this letter, right? And in chapter 5 of uh, the first letter, right? He says, you don't need to know about this. I've already taught you. But let me just give you a quick overview about the times and the seasons, right? And so forth. What would occur then? Because they knew they were not in those times. And he wanted to point that out because the false teachers had confused them. And many are are confused today. They look around, they see signs as they believe they are, wonders, miracles, as they have accepted uh, at the testimony of others who have no credibility. So, you know, many are deceived today in the same way as these Thessalonians were, right, because of Paul's teachings. But uh, if we look at Scripture more carefully, we'll see and the great differences between those times that are prophesied to come and those times we're living in now. And uh, when we do that, we should remember what Paul wrote in chapter 15 of Romans. He says there in verse 4, 15, 4 of Romans, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So we're now going to go back and look at some things that were written for time. Uh, in fact, uh, in Gos the Gospel of Matthew, and this will record uh, for us and bring to light exactly what the Lord himself taught to the Jews and specifically to his own disciples during his earthly ministry. Okay, what did he teach them? Matthew 24. Okay, Linda, would you please read verse 3, and then that passage, verses 15 through 24. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? 15. 
When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. For woe unto them that are with child, and to them that, are, that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight might be not in the winter, nor on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there would be no flesh to be saved. But for the elect's sake, these days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall come unto you, say, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe, or there, believe it not. But there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, as if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Uh, thank you, Linda. So very hard times, our Lord says, will be coming. He's teaching his apostles that. Uh, he's saying this is the, the character of those times that God is going to bring upon this earth. And Israel will be right in the center focus, okay? Uh, these times uh, in Jeremiah's prophecy, chapter 30, verse 7, are called the time of Jacob's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble. In other words, the focus will be upon Israel, okay? And how God is working in Israel and how he has prepared his people ultimately uh, to receive the promised kingdom, right? Which will be brought to earth at the time when the Lord Christ returns uh, to this earth. And uh, he will establish Jerusalem as the capital. And uh, Israel will be in the center of the world, <laughs> not in a bywater. And uh, God will have accomplished great things and will be continuing on then to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ as king over not only over Israel, but over the nations, right? That's yet ahead, okay? But the apostles uh, asked him, well, when will these times begin to come? And he says, well, there are signs and so forth uh, that need to be taken note of. And so he quotes from Daniel's prophecy. Okay, so the focus there is very practical. You see, it's extremely practical and detailed, and, and he gives detailed instructions how to live, how to respond when you see these signs of the times. When you see them, you need to respond accordingly, right? But be very careful because he says there will be false Christ and false prophets that will be showing great signs and wonders. That it would be so powerful, so convincing, that if it were possible, they would even deceive the very elect of God. Well, the elect of Israel will be saved in those days. They will not submit to the false Christs, the false prophets and their teachings. They will not be convinced by the signs and the wonders, but the rest of the world will be. Okay, so that's uh, very clear, I think. So when Paul 
refers to these times the way he does there in the second chapter of Thess the second letter to the Thessalonians. He is uh, teaching that uh, this is what will come, but surely you're not in that time now, right? They should have known this. It should have been so crystal clear. It should be crystal clear for us. We are not living in that time. When you see what that time will be like, and you compare with what we are in now, you should see great differences, right? Yet considering those warnings, isn't it remarkable that today so many are captured by the uh, the false uh, teachers with all of their supposed uh, signs, wonders, and miracles, right? That is truly playing with fire. The Pentecostal the charismatic groups and all these new age groups uh, focus on signs, wonders, and miracles. I'll say a little more about that in a moment. But um, beware, beware indeed. Uh, when those times do come, we're not going to be there, but those that are here living on this earth will be in a very difficult situation indeed. Okay? So, what does he say? must be true for the true believers living in the tribulation period. They must be alert. They must be watching for the signs of the time so that they may faithfully endure and remain obedient until the end. They need to avoid the mark of the beast and not submit to his uh, power. They must resist, even if that means martyrdom. If they do not resist, they will receive the mark of the beast. Okay? That brings us to today. What is God doing today under grace? It's so different, different what he's doing today under grace. God is reigning today under grace, whether we're watching and alert or not. And that's not excusing our waywardness at all. It's just that God's grace is, is sufficient to carry us to the destination that he has appointed, okay? We were not and have not been appointed to wrath, but rather to obtain salvation. What that's saying, not appointed to the wrath and to the tribulation period, but to obtain salvation, which is the very rapture itself, okay? And all that follows from there on. God has promised such great things for us. Praise the Lord. Now, this was taught, and we looked at it, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, remember that, uh, how Paul states the principle there uh, of grace uh, in verses 9, 10, and 11 in 1 Thessalonians 5. God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alert or drowsy and not paying attention or or not, we should live together with him. Be so different in the tribulation period where believers are required to be alert and to watch because otherwise they will not know what God is doing and what God's enemy is doing if they're not, okay? So the difference should be so clear. If we don't see that, we're missing the whole teaching of the apostle here. And we can't really rest and be comforted. Verse 11, wherefore, in other words, because of that, because of the power of God's grace, 
and that the rapture is the next thing on the, the calendar, not the signs, wonders, and miracles of the tribulation period. We therefore may comfort ourselves together and be edified. Okay? Verse 11. So that's the teaching there. If that difference is not seen clearly, we're really misunderstanding Paul's fundamental point here. And that brings us to the fourth point today, which is what is Satan doing today? Yes, this, Satan's work is being limited by the church, indeed. Uh, Paul has made that very clear. But he does have great power still, and he is very much at work in the world today. How is he working? Well, to understand that well, we have to understand how God is working, right? Because Satan always opposes God. How's God working today? He's manifesting forth the riches of his grace, right? Not, not under law. We're not under law, but under grace, right? And that has to do with uh, the gospel, too. What is the gospel of grace, right? So... If that's what God is doing, is calling a people for his name by grace, and then we're to live by grace, then Satan's going to be opposing that. How is Satan going to do that most successfully? Through lies and false teachings. But more than that, according to these verses here that we've read today again, also, according to verses 9 and 10, all power and signs and lying wonders. And then he says, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them, in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Okay, this is a most important teaching here. It's telling us how Satan is working today uh, before he called it the mystery of lawlessness, right? In other words, the lawless one, Satan, Satan's uh, emissaries in the tribulation period, including the uh, false prophet and the beast, right? Uh, this is the work of Antichrist, okay? That great lawlessness is defined very clearly in prophecy. It will happen at that time when Satan is fully unleashed, okay? But today, he's doing a work, too. And what Paul is saying here is that it's sort of a secret work. It was hidden. Uh, it, it's sort of behind the scenes. And that's because Satan's work cannot be fully revealed today. Remember, he's said over and over here why it cannot be fully revealed, because the church is, is withholding that. Okay, Only when we're taken out of the way will it be fully revealed. So today it's behind the scenes. So Satan is getting away with some great things uh, because he's working uh, in stealth mode. He's working in stealth mode. <laughs> okay. And so uh, what Paul is saying here is that nevertheless, there's a correspondence between how he will work in the tribulation period and fully revealed and how he's working today, sort of behind the scenes, okay? The correspondence is in these words we've read here, verse 9. All power and signs and lying wonders. So, 
Satan's doing today what he'll do then. It's just that now he's being with restrained to a degree. But many are still being deceived. Verse 10 says, these signs and wonders deceive, right? They have a unique ability to deceive those that buy into them, okay? And uh, that's uh, exactly what we see going on today. In fact, it's been going on throughout this entire dispensation of the grace of God. And certain groups have been uh, focused in on that very much so to their great destruction, right? Uh, the largest uh, uh, so-called Christian group in the world, it's not really Christian, but it's satanic, but the largest one has always been focused on that. Remember, what is their requirement for saints? Saints must have performed miracles, right? And they must be certified by the authorities, okay? <laughs> so this has been the case for a long, long time in that group, right? And now in the Protestant groups, you see the same thing happening. There's so many being captured by New Age lying wonders, as it's called here, and uh, miracles so-called. Now, I don't need to question whether they're really miracles or not. Some of them are, probably. Why not, right? They're, they're the work of Satan. He can accomplish great miracles. God isn't restraining that uh, completely. He is withheld, but uh, he's still doing the work, right? So many are being captured by these. Some of the best-selling books in the bookstores are totally dedicated to this purpose. One of them is called The Shack. Another is called Jesus Calling, and I could make a longer list, okay? Books that focus on special experiences, direct communications with God in ungodly ways, okay? Um, <laughs> really... Uh, relying upon uh, angelic forces, for example. They're really demons, but uh, all of this is going on today and is being promoted in even the Protestant church, okay? So uh, I would say to you, this is the work of the enemy. Do not be deceived. The miracles and the signs are not indicators of the work of Almighty God, but rather evidence, great evidence of Satan's lying works even today during the dispensation of the grace of God. So uh, brings us to concluding words. It should be so clear. The catching up or rapture of the church, the body of Christ, is the next thing on the agenda. Okay? Everything here is a preparation for our catching up into glory. Even our suffering here is an indicator of that coming judgment. Okay? Those that reject the gospel of grace today, those who hear it and reject it, will not have a second chance, and we'll focus specifically on that next time. It's all taught in this section, so uh, take it to heart. It's so transforming to understand the scripture and the word of God rightly divided. We're living in such different times today than many think. Grace 
is abounding. And let's not forget that. Don't be captured by the false messages of the day that are being shared everywhere, it seems, right? And may we be the ones that have the truth of God always on our lips, that we might speak it boldly, that many may still hear, and in these dark days may still be saved. And that would be great glory to God. So praise the Lord for his grace today. What a wonder indeed it is. And I'm thinking uh, also, and I know some in our group here even, were once uh, attracted by, even caught up for a short time uh, in the signs, wonders, and miracles. I mean, I certainly was very interested in that uh, when I was very young. But uh, the Lord delivered and has protected, and praise the Lord for his great grace. How wonderful it is. Such liberty we have in Christ. What a glorious thing, indeed. Well, enjoy all, and uh, if you have any questions, that's a good time. Or comments. Any comments? Um, yeah, Jim, I do. Go ahead, Tom. Um, certainly, uh, the evidence of Fatima. Yes has seduced a lot of people. Oh, great, great numbers. Yes. And yet, I think the, the real um, weapon of the enemy is to seduce us with thoughts of being good enough by works. You know? Well... It's the opposition of faith is works. It's certainly seductive. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I really like what I was hearing today. Uh, it's it's so massive, though. I would have interrupted you if it was just you and I. I would have interrupted you many times, but <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's amazing. I agree with you. The the body of the church is restraining Satan. You can see that. You can see that in our government mm -hmm. in in how the world proceeds, uh, especially those governments that are not restrained by the church mm -hmm. because of persecution or outright uh, mm. dismissal of the, the body of Christ. Mm. So you get to see the evidence of what can happen when the church is silent, when the body of the church is silent. Yes. But I think I'm preaching here, so I'm going to, I'm going to be quiet. Thank you so much, Jim. I like it Im immensely. <laughs> well, thank you for preaching a little bit, Tom. We need to be preached at once in a while, right? We do. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments uh, today before we go to the Lord, Patty? Yeah, um, just to follow up on some of what you said, Tom, but um, wherever socialism, communism, progressive tyranny takes over, they target 
the church can silence it and suppress it. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be very vigilant and on our guard. And uh, it's very obvious, I believe, in our current times that um, those on the left who want to replace our constitutional republic and the freedoms that our constitution ensures, defines, um, they're whittling away at that and uh, taking advantage of the current crisis to... Um, no, prohibit the church gatherings or to so restrict them, restrain them, limit them that the body of Christ cannot meet freely and openly together. Mm. Um, but that is a pattern that um, you can see wherever socialism and its various forms have seized power. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is very much a pattern. We see the history of it, don't we? Hi, Jen. I think fundamentally the root of the problem is a lack of understanding of the scripture. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. are really pleased with uh, many different translations out there and which didn't do the justice of the original scripture. Mm-hmm. And in addition... Um, majority of the Christians are pleased with just a few passages with the scripture that warm their heart and will neglect the, the book of the teaching. So because of lack of understanding, lack of the training, so they are baby in Christ. So whatever, there's a doctrine coming along, they couldn't discern. So they blown back and forth like in the ocean by the winds. Then all of a sudden there's a science wonder comes along, which is a very strong in his evidence. So they believe it. Yes, yes. So that's the root of it. And even if they're believers, their their witness then is just destroyed. <laughs> See, because then they're themselves part of the problem, promoting the same thing that captured them. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Lewis. That's very, very true. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for gathering us today. And uh, it's a blessing to be together as believers. Thank you that we can do it this way. But uh, we look forward, Father, to -to face-to-face meetings. And and most importantly, face-to-face, Father, with uh, all of our dear ones uh, in heaven's glory and with our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're waiting, Father, for that day, listening listening for that call and the shout and the voice to call us into heaven's glory. And as we do so, Father, we'll rest here in the glories of your sufficient grace. And we thank you, Father, in Christ's name. And amen. Amen. Amen.